Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. I just thought, now that all the restrictions are being dropped, what are we to piss and moan about now? Oh, we'll find ways. Jeez. Oh, you're not being, uh, you know, uh, tied down by this oppressive government anymore? Now what are you going to whine about? You can now travel about without a mask uh-huh. right, by the end of the month, anyhow. No more uh, Arrive Can app. You're free to move uh, amongst the cabin. Do your thing. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Most people who piss and moan do it from their basements. <laughs> um, how many major decisions in your life have been the wrong decision? Well, I'm here. Right. <laughs> yeah. So that may be one. You dropped the ball somewhere. <laughs> People say it's a good idea to live without regrets, but if someone asked you how many wrong decisions you've made in your life, how many would you say? Now, these are major wrong decisions. So, so not like, you know, oh, damn, I shouldn't have drank that tequila last night. Gotcha. But rather more like, you know, my first marriage and my third child. Right? These type of things. <laughs> things you can't reverse necessarily. Uh, the average person estimates they've made four okay. wrong major decisions in their life. Uh, many wish they had had more guidance when it comes to making large life decisions. I'd imagine careers probably end up being high on yep. that list for a lot of people. Probably, yeah. And 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 again, yeah, early early decisions in terms of you know high school or or. or college Mm -hmm. university where where people were steered or thought they were steered the wrong direction or didn't put enough thought into the direction they were going yeah i'm i'm trying to think i i don't believe i've made four major wrong decisions i know for sure one of the things that i uh, really dropped the ball on was saving money uh right from the beginning like when we got married bought the house for the longest time I just assumed there's my savings, you right. know. Yeah. Um, but just from the time I finished high school and started working, I should have been putting stuff aside. I'd be so much farther ahead, and it wouldn't have taken that much effort. But I just couldn't pull it together, mm. you know. But I'd also been raised in a family that never saved a dime either. So, yeah. if it, sometimes if something isn't a part of your lifestyle or you don't see your parents doing it, then you don't do it. So I blame my parents. It's all Bob and Barrel's fault. Um, half of us say we've turned to friends and family for advice when making major decisions. Or we'll do our own research, usually online. Or we'll seek out industry professionals. And I, I think I've been more of that guy. I think when it's, when it's come to any kind of major decision, like buying a car or a home or doing whatever, I've turned to people in the industry and yeah. asked questions, okay. you know, real estate agents or people who just know things about cars. Right. Can you think off the top of your head of any major outside of taking this gig or following radio <laughs> as a career? <laughs> well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I said before that I, I went to school and university with the idea of, of studying the law. Um, and becoming a lawyer, I wrote the LSATs. I was, I was ready to go, and I just kind of decided at that point that it wasn't a passion. You know, I mm-hmm. like law and order, 
and mm. I'm going through the series again. <laughs> <laughs> but do you look at it now and think, I wish I had of, or do you know in your heart of hearts that it was the right thing not to do? Um, I think in, in my heart of hearts, uh, I, I know it's I, I made the right decision. It wasn't your heart. My heart wasn't in it. Right. Right. You know, at times I look at my checkbook and think. You know, mm. maybe it was, wasn't the right call. <laughs> but, but you wouldn't have met your bride. Right. Well, so many things would have would have turned out differently. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, and even when it comes to you know, the hockey and, and, uh, and the play-by-play, that was one where, you know, not too long ago I was thinking, you know, what's in this? Mm-hmm. Am I still, is it worth the... Uh, you know, the amount of time that I'm volunteering to this and mm-hmm. putting into this and taking away from family and putting pressure on others in order to be able to do this. And, you know, thankfully, it's so far seems to be working out okay. Yeah, and I guess for you, too, because you're, uh, that must have been a tough discussion with your parents because they were actually invested in your education. Yes, right. Whereas, you know, my parents, I don't think they even knew I went to college. <laughs> Where's Craig? <laughs> But so did, was there kind of like a family plan that you were going to become a lawyer and then you turned to them one night over dinner and said, I'm going to go into a business that pays no, low five figures? <laughs> I, think, I think I torched that family plan of my father's when I decided not to become a doctor. Oh, so, okay. That was the game plan originally? I think, well, I mean, I, listen, his his outlook on things, I think, was always just keep your options open. Right. Um, and so, you know, take all kinds of classes that would leave options open. Right. And, and in retrospect, I'm thankful for that advice. Because I think so many got into high school and just said, ah, I don't like this, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to take it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like taking this, so I'm not going to take it. And you look back and, you know, might be thinking now, man, I could have used that to uh, to get a job or to further my career somewhere. Yeah, and, you know, life moves on. Like, I've, I've had a lot of friends who uh, finished school and landed some, you know, great paying, perhaps, a factory job or manual labor position of some sort. And early on, if they had just finished school, maybe they had gotten engaged and they were looking at buying a house and so that good paying factory job or a manual labor it was perfect for the time and they had plans down the road to move on to the career they had always thought of but responsibility comes along and with that comes you know bills and children and so all of a sudden that that job you took just to get things going 20 years down the road, you're still doing it. I think it's interesting, though, like as parents, we kind of want to plan out the life course for our kids, right? And and you realize that you just can't do that. not at all. You know, there's so many who, who, and it all depends on your outlook. You'll look at things and think, boy, if I I, I see a job opening, but the requirements say this, Mm -hmm. right? So I won't even apply. You eliminate yourself before you even, you know, get a chance to, to get out there. Some people wait. You know, and the same happens in dating in relationships too, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't ask the question, you're probably not going to get a date. Um, but I think you know we try to insulate our kids and say, okay, direct them, steer them in this path, mm-hmm. or or and you can't just plan things out. You can, but you can eliminate some things in terms of if you make some really poor decisions early on, you can really screw yourself. Yeah, and I think it's a huge mistake if you too do try to guide your children down a path that you see as their future because you're not them and you're not living their life and you don't they don't think the way you do, and it's it's okay to to uh, to share advice. I mean, if your kids come to you and say, "I'm going to be a poet," right? You know, you're going to say, "Well." <laughs> I don't know 
that being a poet <laughs> will really pay the bills. But if that's your passion, right. you know, then get at it. Hickory dickory dock. <laughs> So it's nice to see many people are very happy to see uh, Brendan Fraser and his career and the uh, resurgence he's having right now with this movie called The Whale. I was watching uh, the other day on SNL as they gear up for their new season. They will show uh, an older episode. Usually it's somewhat loosely connected to maybe somebody in pop culture and something that's going on in their life. And with Brendan Fraser and his career bouncing back, they showed uh, an episode of SNL when he hosted it okay. in the 90s. And, you know, you, you forget about the guy. But he was a big star for a long time, was in a ton of movies, did very well for himself, and through mental health issues, and I think there was a, a story I read that he had been sexually assaulted by some man in the business, uh, like one of those kind of Harvey Keitel, not Harvey Keitel, but Harvey Weinstein right, yeah. kind of situations. And that, he spiraled after that, and he really was struggling for a very long time. And now he has come back with this uh, this film called The Whale. And there's been some terrific photos and video of him getting standing ovations at film festivals. And he, he gets up, and he's very emotional, and he's very modest about it all. And it's all been very nice. So, of course, we can't just have that. <laughs> not, not in the world of online and social media. No, sir. So, enter Daniel Frazizi. If you don't recognize the name, he's best known for playing Damien in Mean Girls. Okay. And so, in this movie, The Whale, Brendan Fraser plays an obese gay man. And, of course, he's neither obese nor gay. Gotcha. But Daniel Franzisi is... He's a big man, and he's a gay man. And so, he says, to finally have a chance to be in a prestigious film that might be an award-winning, nominated story where people who look like us are being told that's the dream. So when they go time and time again and cast someone like Brendan Fraser, me and the other big queer guys, we're like, well, what's the bleep? We can't take it. Mm. Then he adds, I love Brendan Fraser. I'm very conflicted seeing him get up there in Venice Having that moment, I was very happy for him. He's a lovely man, and it's great. But why? Why go there and wear a fat suit to play a 400-pound queer man? Okay. Maybe, Daniel, because you're only known for playing, like, Damien, a bit part, in Mean Girls, maybe you should be angry at your agents and managers. Those are the people who get you those roles. Those are the people who get you in front of those people. Should a white man play a black man? Of course, never. Should anybody of any other cultural background be playing somebody they're not? No. But this is acting. And you can play a straight man, Daniel, as Brendan Fraser should be able to play a gay man. Right. I don't get this now. You know, there was they were very upset with, um, what's his name, uh, from, uh, from Breaking Bad, uh, Brian Cranston. Right. When he played a, uh, a man in a wheelchair. Okay. I get that. You could have hired an actor who was legitimately in a wheelchair. Right. Well, they did the same. Eddie Redmayne played uh, Stephen Hawking yeah. as well. Like, like, like it, it happens. Again, you know, it's acting. Yeah. You know, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't cut off Lieutenant Dan's legs to, in order to, to play him in, in, in Forrest Gump. It's just not how it works. Yeah. You know? and, and, you know, when you watch that, you see Gary Sinise, you think, wow, 
What an actor. What a performance. People looked at that and said, what a performance. Not now. Uh, you know, And now it's like, well, no, they should have given it to someone who was in a wheelchair already. Tom Hanks has said publicly recently he wouldn't play Forrest Gump now because right. he's not a, a handicapped man. He wouldn't even play the lawyer in Philadelphia now because he's not dying of AIDS. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. this is crazy. The profession is to act and to pretend. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and I agree with you. There, there's a certain, uh, certainly uh, some some uh, big leaps still to come mm. for Hollywood when it comes to representation in in terms of you know the Asian culture, right? right. Yeah, uh, where you know crazy rich Asians didn't specify which <laughs> nationality they were. Right. Just hey, find us some Asian actors. Mm-hmm. And, and I, of course, 100%, that, that should be the way it is. Um, but I, I, I just, I struggle with this all the time because if you're an actor, this is where you make your money in playing these characters. I mean, so to that, I guess that means that Sean Penn couldn't have played Sam. Remember, he played the uh, the, yeah. the man who was dealing with mental uh, issues. Justin Hoffman and Rainbow. Yeah. These are some classic, iconic roles. That nowadays it would be said, well, you should be hiring somebody. And... Are there enough uh, roles for gay men to play a gay man? Oh, probably not. There probably isn't enough movies written about that lifestyle and their stories. I get that. But it's not stopping you from working because right. your sexuality doesn't interfere, interfere with you playing a straight man. Did he have a problem with Eric Stone Street in Modern Family then? He probably would have. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Listen, leave poor Brendan Fraser alone. He's <laughs> done anything since uh, the, the mummy. <laughs> George of the jungle. Yeah, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, what, he can't, because he didn't live in the jungle? Right. He can't play George? You know, it has been said forever and ever that Canadians are very polite and kind people. But in Toronto, when you pay a boatload of money for a baseball ticket to see Aaron Judge walked, we're not happy. And Judge is intentionally wrong. Now, you can get mad at the manager all you want, but he's playing for something. Now, if Alex Ford did this, you have a, a real reason to get angry, but he's trying to win this game to get into the playoffs. His mom kind of confused and frustrated. Just think what you, back at home, and how frustrated you're feeling that you don't get a chance to see Judge. And then think, that's her son. And she's watching every single at bat, waiting for him to do something so special. And so probably times it by a million by what you're feeling at home. Yeah. Torontonians booing because uh, they walked him in the tent. He sits through all that baseball <laughs> and he gets walked. <laughs> well, listen, first of all, the, the, the announcer was right. They're trying to win a baseball game. Yep. And in fact... In the bottom half of that inning, they had a chance, the Yankees did, to walk Vladimir Guerrero, and they didn't, mm. and he hit the game-winning run, uh, or a game-winning hit, at least, to drive in the run. I, I think more so, one, there's a lot of Yankee fans in Toronto who were probably cheering for the Yankees mm -hmm. in that game, and two, there are a lot of people who just want to catch that ball. Yeah, that is the question being thrown around. If you were to catch that 61st home run that ties uh, Roger Maris, what would you do with it? Would you keep it? Would you sell it? Or would you give it back to Aaron Judge? And uh, a writer at the Yahoo Sports did a big article 
about a 20-year-old Yankee fan who caught Judge's 60th homer and gave it back to him. Mm. He got some cool stuff, an autograph bat, that type of thing. But he could have sold the ball for a hundred grand, according to experts. The article talks about how fans get shamed if they decide to keep a ball like that. And that's exactly what happened uh, after the fan who caught uh, Albert Pujols' 700th on Friday and left the stadium with it. So who made the right call? I guess it depends on how much of a diehard fan you are. But there is an interesting line in the article that says, In no other circumstance is a person who legally and rightfully stumbles upon a six-figure-plus payday is expected to just give it up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. <laughs> if Judge does get... caught gold. Yes. Like literally, and, you found the gold at the end of the rainbow yeah. that it dropped in your lap or in your beer cup. Yeah. And I'm sorry, Mr. Pujols or Mr. Judge, you've got a lot in life, and I want mine. Well, and, I'm and, walking out with the ball. And it's not only coming from them either, right? Like, sure. Last time I checked, the Yankees had a few dollars to their name. Yep. Uh, and if it's something that they really want back, then and that's how the practice kind of started, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that they really wanted back, and so they decided they'd pay for it. Um, you know, you look at baseball cards. We were talking about that like just a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know, like they're up to like fourteen million dollars. Yeah, for for rare items. If you get something, you know, is this the rarest of of no to Yankees fans? The organization probably mm. up there. Like, and what's more rare? It's funny. I don't, I don't think the sixtieth is really that big a deal because sixty first is to tie the record. Yeah, sixty two. Would be even more important. Is each ball worth a hundred grand? Well, now they say sixty-two. If he gets there, will be well worth over a million bucks. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I, what about you? I I know I'd keep it. S screw you. <laughs> it's a one in a million shot, and right. I caught it. I'm going home with it, and I'm selling it. Yeah. What about you? Uh, I mean, I'd I'd off. I'd sell it back to the the club. I, I think. I, mm. I I think I. I'm sentimental enough with sports history right. that I would offer it back to the club. At a price, um, whether or not you just keep it and, and hang on to it, wait for it to go to Sotheby's. The problem is that, that ball doesn't have any markings on it, mm. right? That's the other issue. Unless you've got like the video, the picture of you catching the ball, right? Uh, it really is just a, a plain baseball. Anyone could say they've got that that 700th ball afterwards. You have to be able to know that it was yours. Yeah, it, well, you, I mean, with today's technology and everybody's got a phone, for sure, if you've got your hand up and you catch 62, right. it's going to be caught on film. You've got to authenticate that ball. Yeah. Now, listen, when, when, when fans should boo, certainly, is when a-holes catch a ball and snag it from a kid. Right. You see that all the time. Uh, but no, uh, sorry, you know, there's there's been some great stories. There was the story of the guy, was it in New York or Boston, whose life was threatened when he reached over the wall and snagged a yeah, ball. Yeah, that was Fenway. Yeah, which so, ended a play. That and, was the curse. Yeah, and that guy, like, li literally uh, had to go and in, hide into hiding. Boston was Chicago. Yeah, the company, the, one of them, I don't know. And they booed him, they threw beer at him, like yeah. it was bad. Yeah, there's a documentary about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. He had so, to change his name. So like, yeah. Really, and, and that was that was the, the the curse continuing, right? Now, if if I would say uh, anything in all of this, um, Aaron Judge, your mom, would you just send her home? How annoying! You got all this on your plate, and your mom's probably like, 
Are you eating properly? Can you put me up in a hotel? How do I get around Toronto? How do I get around Boston? How do I... Ma, go home. Watch it on TV. I'll call you when it happens. Have you, seen, like, have you seen Judge? He's like 6'7". He's a, he's a monster. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think he'll... Uh, Think he'll get to 62? Think he'll get to 61? Yeah, oh yeah, I think so. I think he does it in Toronto, actually. Oh yeah? Yeah. Uh, you can't pitch around him forever. Right. Uh, these guys, uh, they are home running hitting machines. And and it is crazy. When it, you, like, you look at Pujols, 700 home runs mm-hmm. for what is probably the best last name in sports, by the way. Uh, one of them. Because um, I just like saying Pujols. When you look at 700 well, home runs, I know. When you look at 700 home runs, they say uh, hitting a major league home run is the hardest thing to do right. in sport. Right? Yep. At that speed, 100 mile an hour pitch mm-hmm. and hit it over the wall. He's hit it 700 times. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw a crazy, someone had extrapolated the math. His average home run trot takes him 26 seconds to get around the bases. So over the course of his career in 700 home runs, he spent five hours Running the bases. Wow. Now, what are tickets? Do we know what tickets you're going for right now? Uh, for uh, to see the Jays and the Yankees? Hot tickets? Yeah. Well, and it's funny that all of a sudden now sitting in the outfield 100s and 200s is really expensive. Where you want to be? Yeah, that's exactly right. As soon as I read this, I uh, I thought of Lucky. Half of us have at least one neighbor we wish would move away. <laughs> Lucky, how's our Karen doing these days? Ah, she's doing all right. Yeah, we got a new you situation. Become fast friends? Yeah, uh, no, no, not quite. <laughs> but uh, but it's been somewhat quieter. All right. I think we've had our windows closed for a lot more of it, and we don't really sit out back and have to deal with it. Right. But but you got another issue? Another one on the on the uh, the front side now. It's a real. <laughs> <laughs> that neighborhood of yours is... Uh, I'm going to have them dig the moat deeper. <laughs> uh, what's going on in the front of the house? Ah, oh, just uh, again, uh, some new neighbors that have moved in. It just seemed to be, uh, uh, let's say, problematic. Oh, yeah? Just, uh, just a lot of uh, sketchy kind of crap going on. <laughs> there's, there's cars appearing at all hours of the day and night and parking all over the place. It's it's, it's quite interesting. When we, uh, when we first lived up in Caledon, uh, we had a neighbor... Who uh, same kind of situation? He would have all these kind of high end cars rolling in and out all hours of the day and night. We never really knew what was going on. I mean, it was a nice enough guy. I'd see him and wave, and he'd wave back. We never really spent any time together. Um, and then uh, I think about a year or so after we moved out, we heard a story that he had had a heart attack in his car while driving down like Highway 10 or one of the Whoa. one of the roads. He had been stopped at a light. Like, he, you know, there wasn't an accident. Nobody outside of He died in his car, but it wasn't like anybody got hurt uh, at the time. Anyhow, when the cops arrived, his car was basically a flipping drug den. Like, it right. was just loaded with uh, with everything. And then we realized, well, well, that's why all the cars were coming and going from his house <laughs> all the time. Yes. I'm suspecting a similar action going on <laughs> uh, in my neck of the woods. I, I just find it amazing, too. Like, like. There was a time when you knew everyone mm-hmm. in your neighborhood, yeah. and, that, and that was just you know, kind of how it was done, and things have certainly changed from that. And, and it's not necessarily that the neighborhood, in some senses, yes, it has changed, but I think our attitudes towards our neighborhood have changed as well. We're, we're just more occupied with ourselves.
Oh, yeah, we're totally self-involved and really don't give a crap about anybody around us. Although I, I will say in my neighborhood, and maybe this has got to do with older homes, and especially if you're in a neighborhood where your houses are maybe from the 70s and a lot of originals are still there, and certainly it's the case in my neighborhood, the... Uh, the older people are very friendly. Like, I've gotten to know a lot of them. I've had beers with them on their porch. They've had beers at my place. We've gabbed quite a bit. They've, you know, helped me in the wintertime, or I've helped them. It's They're very friendly. They're very neighborhood-focused, uh, mm. knowing everybody. But there has been, in the time I've lived there, two or three people who have uh, moved out, and younger families have moved in, and they absolutely keep to themselves. Right, yeah. Yeah. And it's not a cultural thing. No, no, it's an age you know, thing. I, I know a lot of people, you know, will will go straight to the cultural and the mm -hmm. diversity, and, and and in fact, in our neighborhood, we've seen it's been the opposite. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of cultures when they move in, they bring gifts, mm -hmm. and they come around and they meet the neighbors, or if they have an addition to the family, they bring gifts. Yeah, we, they they would show up with a box of chocolates for us at one point, and they had the baby. Like, well, what the hell is this all about? But that's that's just their culture. Yeah, and we look out the front window and they go, why? We think, why are they walking up our driveway? Right. What are they? Yes. They're bringing a gift. <laughs> they want nothing more but to be friendly. Right. It costs you five minutes of your time. <laughs> oh. yeah. Turn the camera on. Speak to them through that. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, about half of us um, would be totally fine if there was a neighbor we never saw again. Um, we also would uh, be encouraging to a neighbor to move away if there was a polite way to do it. Wow. And half of us have also considered moving ourselves just to get away from a bad neighbor. <laughs> I was going to say, if uh, if you live in a neighborhood where you can't think of someone you'd want to move away, mm -hmm. maybe you're that person. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're the one yeah. everyone else wishes would that's move. Right. Yeah, that's right. It's like the, the person who's had... Three, four, five, six, seven rocky relationships. You know, well, maybe it's you. Maybe you're the problem. <laughs> uh, people with young kids were twice as likely to say a neighbor has made them want to move. Okay. So it seems like that's a major factor. And me <clears throat> excuse me, many people with security cameras have caught a neighbor doing something odd. Okay. On the video. I don't have any security cameras. But I'm sure my neighbors do. <laughs> I'm sure they see me doing something odd. Well, it's that time of year. The National Toy Hall of Fame revealing its 12 finalists for its 2022 class. And uh, out of the 12, it's tough competition. Only three get to go in. If you remember last year, the three that went in was the American Girl Dolls, Risk, and uh, Sand. Just plain old Sand went in. <laughs> You know, in the, it's imagine. so hard to find. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you get for your birthday this year? What'd you get for Christmas? Sand. Yeah, it seems to be way down low on the uh, on the list of great toys. But well, there in. was a time if you had a sandbox, mm. that was a big thing. Mm, cats all went and pooped in it. Right. True. Uh, so on the list this year, classics like Bingo, something called Briar Horses, Light Bright. I remember having one of those. Uh huh. Catan or the settlers of Catan, we have learned um, doing our research that it's a, the game for the nerds. Right, it's like, like risk, risk and yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, pandemic. More, more intense risk as if that was necessary. My son, my eldest, has a copy of the pandemic game, and I guess you can buy additions for it. 
I said, and they were playing it the other day. I said, you haven't had enough. What? Uh, there's a no. game called Pandemic, and you really? have to. It's been out for years, and yeah, you have to work as a team, and it's a board game, and you have to stop a pandemic from oh. flooding the planet. Are there uh, are there those who don't believe the game exists? That's right. <laughs> there's anti-vax cards. Game's a lie. It's a six-player game, and one person just stands in the corner and pouts. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's uh, something called Masters of the Universe. Nerf toys. Well, of course, we all know those. The pinata. Uh, something called Phase 10. Pound puppies, I remember. Racco. The spirograph. And the top. Okay. Again, we've also learned the spirograph because I didn't know what that was, but I, we were informed Oh, you didn't know earlier. what that was? No, it turns out it's a thing for children who have no artistic ability. Yeah, it was like a drawing game. You get all these like little uh, circle stencils that you basically just run around and make Rorschach tests for yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I knew what none of these were. I got sand for Christmas. <laughs> That's right. You got coal. I, I, got, I got an ice tray and a bottle opener. <laughs> Okay, so out of all of those, Lucky, what do you think should go in? Obviously, I think bingo for sure. It's a it, classic. It's a classic game that, you know, I don't know if it, it's... It started out as a kid's game, then uh, the gambling element it, took over. It goes in with a dabber and a, and a pack of darts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game that either very young people and very old people love to play <laughs> yeah. for different reasons. So, yeah, I would agree with bingo. The Nerf, uh, the Nerf toy. Nerf for sure. I mean, Nerf is just... It's such a staple, and now Nerf guns. What Nerf has branched out into. I remember having like a Nerf football and Nerf basketball game. Right, as a okay, kid. yeah, that's right. Yeah, now the guns. I mean, my gosh, when my boys were little, that's all I stepped on. If it wasn't Lego bits, it was Nerf bits. Yeah, yeah. Hey, looking for the Nerf AR-15 now. And the classic top, which I guess is just as, as kind of lame as the... Uh... But there are a lot of lame toys that make their way in mm. there. Um I, I, yeah, I would. Uh, Light Bright would be up on that list for me too. It would have seemed at the time to be really, you know, creative and new. I mean, back then, like basically, uh, a rusty nail and a board was considered a toy right. for a kid. You know. Yeah, like you know, would you like the deck of playing cards go in at some point too? Yeah, I believe like, so. They just they seem so ridiculous. Dice, that Catan thing. Like I sort of risk just went in last year. That right. that screams of like a nerd alert. Yeah, just like hey, risk is in. This one should be in too. Like, <laughs> yeah, slow down. We can't have all the nerds in at the same time. <laughs> if bingo isn't in there yet, that gets precedence. So I guess a bunch of toy industry experts get to vote vote over the next week, and then um, people public. The regular Joes can all vote at the uh, museumofplay.org, and then three of those 12 toys will go in. All right? So if you're a fan of any of that stuff, although, yet once again, the illegal fireworks as a children's toy <laughs> doesn't make it. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.